This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? <laughs> oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank that. you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergath. Hey, thanks for joining us for the podcast once again today. Greg Snow joins us via the telephone as he's at an event uh, today we're talking fairly early in the morning uh, here on Monday, so it's before uh, round two of the event. Boy, you're playing some nice courses up there, Greg. Yeah, well, when you come up to Brainerd, it's hard to uh, fall into a bad one. Right. You know, they're all pretty good up here, and I'm able to take Chad, our superintendent, and then another member, Stephen Sir, and we're having a good time. You can probably hear all the traffic behind me. I'm sitting right on the 17th hole of Lehman. Uh, that's where we stayed last night. So pretty cool setting up here. Yeah, no doubt about it. So tell me about the Layman course. I've heard a lot about it. Haven't, you know, had a chance to see it yet. Yeah, it beat us up pretty good yesterday. Um, it's uh, We played it at 7,000 yards for, for the pros, and then the Amps played about 66. Uh-huh. And uh, it, it's difficult. It's um, it, it needs some, it requires some local knowledge. Uh, we found that out yesterday because there's angles. Wow. And when you don't know the angle, you're in the woods. And so that can lead to frustration, Todd. It's, uh, yeah. You know, if you've played it, if you only play it once, uh, you're going to walk away going, ugh. But I think <laughs> if you play it over, over time, you'll kind of learn some of those angles, learn where you need to hit it, and then probably be okay with it. Then there won't be any more, ugh. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you know how that goes, yeah. Todd. You yeah. walk away going, oh, really? Uh, but then if you play it a few times, you're like, oh, well, now I know what angle to take. Um, and obviously, wind plays a factor. It was very windy yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that plays a factor. And even if you thought you knew the angle, now now what is it? Oh, uh, there's a par five, number eight, where I hit my best drive of the day. We could not find it. Oh, um, oh no! And then, and then I get up. I'm like, oh, it's over the edge. It's gone. And we found it in in kind of some thick fescue, you know, almost underbrush woods, um, just off the fairway. And it was like. Oh man, I wish I wish I had known I could have done that. But that yeah. comes back to you just don't know the angle. So um, I think that's with any course up here because it's so tree lined and there's so much underbrush that um, you know you just got to learn learn which uh, direction you need to hit it. And obviously, if you don't hit it there and you hit a bad shot, well then you deserve a bad result. Like I did on the hole before that par five, where I hit it straight right into the woods, and there was no excuse because. The hole was very straight because you knew that one. That's trouble yeah. over there, but you well, hit it there anyway. Yeah. yeah, you didn't. Uh, there was nothing there that uh, that made it so that I hit it into the woods. It was just a horrible swing. So what you're telling us is if there's an amateur player around here and there may be a bogey golfer, be prepared for a long day. Then if they play the layman course, I think a ten handicapper playing the layman course will shoot over a hundred almost every time. Really? Wow. So that yeah, would be, yeah. include me probably. Well, you would I would say you'd be mid nineties, low nineties yeah. probably. Yeah. Um it's and of course depending on which tees you play, but even that, you know, you're a bigger hitter, Todd, so if you played too far up, some of the angles would just eat you up. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't see those that well anyway. <laughs> I tend to, <laughs> right, I tend to just exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I, and then yeah. and then frustration sets in, Todd, and it gets worse. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is it just gets worse and worse. I tend to just grab the driver if it's not a par three and have at it and then worry about the consequences afterward. You do, and you've always told me, you go, well, it's my straightest club anyways. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And sometimes on courses like this, straight isn't always exact, you know, isn't right. You almost have to carry over the corner of a tree. 
you know, or, or the corner of the dog leg in which is trees. And I was trying to explain one hole to these guys yesterday. I'm like, you just got to slice it. You got to, you know, you got to really hit a big cut. Okay. They said, okay. But how do you trust that? Right. Yeah. You just because you can't see it. So that's kind of the, uh, the crux of it, so to speak. How many players, though, amateur players, would you say when you, if you tell me you got to fade it a little, you got to draw it a little, how many are actually able to do that? You have to, that's a fairly advanced skill to be it able is. to start working the ball. Yeah, you kind of got to know your clientele when you say that, but also, also then you try to give them, if you hit a perfectly dead straight ball, here's the line. Okay? Now, nobody's doing that, but knowing that the end result, this is what you're looking for. And then, like, on that one hole that I was telling you, Todd, I wasn't even right where to hit him. You know, I was like, oh, I thought that was the yeah, line. Yeah. I'm sorry. You know, so it's uh, you're right. Uh, it's hard for Ams to actually, and even some of us pros, to hit it exactly how we want to. Right. Uh, but, again, sometimes it comes down to execution, too. You know, you just didn't execute. Yeah, that's right. So good luck today. Uh, is it a combined two-day event or two separate one-day events? It is, and then there's a bunch of games in there that are just one day. So okay. we're 15th. Our team is 15th place right now. The leading team shot 11 under in a one-gross one net, just like we do our pro-am at yeah. uh, the WLM. Yep. And then we're at five under. So we're only six back of the lead, but there's 14 teams between us. Ah, sure. Or 13 teams. So it's going to be difficult to pass everybody unless you get hot. Yeah, tightly bunched in there, but uh, good luck with that today. I had a chance to play Blueberry Pines on Saturday. Have you played that over by Monaga? Monaga. Yeah. Monaga. Yeah. No, I've never played the Pines, but uh, the Blueberry Pines, that is. Yeah. But I've, yeah. heard, I've heard great things, and I've heard it's super tight. Is that still true, or have they changed uh, up the up there? Super tight might be a bit of a stretch. It's somewhat tight. Uh, I would say, uh, and you know me, I mean, I hit it uh, all over the place. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's super tight necessarily. That wouldn't be how I would describe it. Uh, you do have to hit some exacting tee shots, but, and I was able to do that. My first nine, I shot a 34, which is my career low, uh, tied my career low nine hole, no matter what course that was my career low up there. And then the back happened. <laughs> yeah, you really, yeah, you really uh, turned yeah. it around in a bad way. Yeah, it wasn't good. Uh, that's kind of how I've been playing. I don't know what happened. I'm sure you've had uh, days like that. Maybe you were able to have a whole 18 holes uh, like that. But every time I grabbed a club and put it in my hand, it just felt right. And I felt like, oh, this is this feels good. This is the club. Yeah. Now I'm just going to take it back and go through. I hit uh, on the front side. There's two par threes. Uh, one's 157, the other played 185, and I was within a combined six feet uh, between the oh. two. Knocked oh. one stiff to about uh, probably 18 inches, and the other one four feet. Of course, I missed the four-footer for birdie, uh, you know, but, but knocked in the 18-inch one. So I don't know, I just had it going on for about nine holes. And then my brain gets in the way. I start doing, so what do you think happened? I par 10, and that was the first time, what do you think I did in my mind after I was two under par through 10 holes? You started saying, how, how can I shoot under par here today? Exactly. I got I to figure out a way to shoot under par. Exactly. Rather than, just, rather than just going hole by hole and playing number 11. Shot by shot, right? Yep. Just don't yep. think ahead. And, and I've heard that from pros on so many occasions. 
amateurs get in trouble and have a hard time completing low rounds because they start looking ahead. They stop doing what got them to that point, which is think about each shot unto itself and not worry about uh, you know what your potential score is at the end of the round. Just take each shot for what it's worth, enjoy that moment, move on, hit the next shot. Don't think, don't have expectations, don't think about score. But there I was, two under par after 10 holes, and right away I think, Man, I could. I wonder if I could shoot in the 60s. And what happens? The bogeys start in, and then I had a quad on one hole where I lost a tee shot and hit one in the water and made a mess out of things. So uh, let this be a lesson. If you're playing well and you're somebody such as myself, I'm an eight handicap now, which is my highest in several years, unfortunately, this year. Uh, don't think ahead. If you have a good nine holes under your belt, uh, just say, oh, let's start over a new nine and, and take it a shot at a time. As soon as you think ahead, that gets you in trouble. Todd, did you start thinking, um, uh, I got to run out of holes? I got to somehow run out of holes here. Yep. You know, I got to get done with this hole. And okay, I got four left. Yep. That's what happens to me sometimes, too. And again, it's not just amateurs. There's some of us where we're like, okay, hang on. You got four holes left. Yep. Come on. You got to get her in the house. Yep. Rather, rather than, hey, I get to play more holes. I'm out here enjoying. Hey, maybe I can shoot one or two more under. It's yep. amazing the mindset difference between the really good players. And us also ran. That's right. Uh, those those people who are just trying to fill up the fields of, of, oh, oh, no, I've got four holes left. I wish I could stop right now and just be two <laughs> under par. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's the unfortunate part of uh, going low. You, what, what you said was dynamite. That's exactly right. Yeah. you got to. You got to put that out of your mind, and you got to just take one hole at a time, one shot at a time. Hey, have you ever heard? So I've heard advertisements uh, for this, and they push it some on on uh, PGA uh, on the Golf Channel, I should say. I was about to say PGA Tour TV because that's basically what it is. Uh, but uh, have you seen where they have this thing called Imagination Golf, where they give uh, you know mental game tips on golf that uh, it's like a three minute uh, daily download that you can do? Have you have you seen or heard of that? I've heard of something called Decade, uh, which I think is something similar to this. It's talking about how you think your way around the golf course mm-hmm. and how you hand, approach each hole depending on, on where the proximity of the hole is to the sides of the greens and, and to the trouble. And I'm guessing it's on a similar vein that now a lot of these tour players are, are using. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they always say that they're aiming towards the middle of the greens, um, slightly cutting it or slightly hooking it, um, you know, to uh, get it to where they want it to be. And again, it's, it is, it's a mind game. Todd, you and I both know golf is so mental. Yep. Look at you, 34, you mm-hmm. hit two to nothing on par threes. Yep. Not give me par threes either. Those weren't 100 no. yard par threes. Nope. You know, where you're flipping a pitching wedge or a gap wedge in there. Nope. So again, all those things uh, being the same, it's just, um, it's such a mind grind out here, this golf. I mean, I shot 84 yesterday. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to admit it. Mm-hmm. I'm not proud of it, but I'm not ashamed to admit. Oh, that was with Birdie in my last hole too. <laughs> and the course, the course just beat me up, and it got to a point early where it was like, I, I don't know how I'm going to get out of here under 90. Yeah. I mean, it was just difficult, and it was hard. The wind and the woods on both sides of the golf course. You know, you you can't miss one way or the other. You got to hit it in the, on the middle. Well, what was and, the, uh, that, that's mental. What was the low round for the pros out there yesterday? Oh, some dude thought it was cool to shoot four under. So oh, my gosh. So, again, I, I sit back and I go, well, it was doable. It's out there, yeah. yeah. And then the next guy was one under and then a bunch of one overs. So, 
Uh, 12 over obviously isn't very good uh, <laughs> compared to the four under any of that. But, you know, a low round today, and you can get back up into the top 10 maybe. That's right. Probably a tournament title is uh, maybe a little out of the reach. but yeah, yeah but, but a good day today would certainly help. Hey, uh, how about Rory going birdie, birdie, finish to uh, take the Scottish Open? It, it kind of reflected, you know, the history between the two countries. The Brit came in and stole from the Scot uh, and took away... <laughs> took away his, his national championship by, by going birdie-birdie on the last duels. McIntyre and, and, and McElroy were the only two guys to birdie 18 uh, the whole day yesterday uh, there at uh, the Renaissance, they call it, club uh, uh, where they were playing. So uh, they're in Scotland someplace, but uh, fun to watch. And then, uh, you know, I haven't always been the Hughes's, uh, the biggest Rory McElroy fan, um, but, but I'm kind of warming to him. I guess I'd like to see him win another major. It seems kind of torturous to to question him every time he shows up at a major. So when are you going to win one of these again? Well, Todd, we've uh, talked about Rory a lot. Yeah. And he's obviously a, a polarizing figure a little bit because of his his hardline stance on live. Yeah. Has put the spotlight on himself. I don't know if it was totally intentional or if it was forced. But to go birdie-birdie on that stretch... And on hole 18, when he was hit a two-iron, yeah. he hit his drive 230 yards. That's how hard the win was. Yep. No, Rory doesn't hit drives 230 yards. No. Those are four-irons for him usually. Yep. And then and then he stings that two-iron up there to absolutely nothing. Yeah, you got to tip your cap. And uh, it felt like that was McIntyre's tournament. It felt like karma and all that being, you know, being a Scottish guy, the tears, you know, the emotion kind of running over when he was done. He was done what three holes before Rory? Maybe yeah, four. It might have been four. Yep. And so Rory had some time to look at it. And Todd, we've said it many times on this show. Rory usually chokes that away. Yes. He usually finds a way to not make it happen. But give him credit, and I, I still don't think he's a favorite going into uh, going into the British Open. But Todd, he was the last person to win at Hoyt Lake, yeah. where the British Open is this week. So. Um, you know, again, I'm sure a lot of odds makers will jump him up after this, but I think uh, defending champion Cam Smith is playing just as good. Look at Tommy Fleetwood was up on that board. He's playing good again. Yep. Um, you know, how do you dis- uh, discredit what Brooks Kepka has done this year? It's going to be it's going to be the great last major of the season. I can't wait to watch it. Do you get up really early to watch Todd or no? Uh, I I do. Yeah, I like to do that, and and uh, I like to watch it live. Uh, I watched yesterday's uh, tape delay broadcast because live was only available on your phone or a computer. They didn't have it uh, live on on uh, actual television. You had to go to the computer and a website uh, to watch that. So I just waited and watched on the tape delay version. And you know I can block out uh, social media and not know who won, so I can still enjoy watching the event. It's not nearly as much fun to watch when you know who's won. Um, so it was, but yeah, like the British this week, uh, I'll get up early and, and, uh, watch them play. Sure. Watch a little bit before I go into work, probably Thursday and Friday. And then, uh, not ridiculously early on Saturday, but earlier though, normally than I probably would get up. I used to do that, Todd, and then I'd fall asleep right away, and I was like, what's the point? Yeah, right. Why did you get up at 2 a.m. to watch some of this and then <laughs> crash? Right. You know, it, it kind of felt uh, like a useless exercise. <laughs> so now I, now I just get up at, you know, my normal time, go to work, and turn it on and watch the you know last three hours of coverage, more or less, because it's getting dark yeah. by the time that the, by noon-ish, you know, uh, when you're watching a little bit of that golf. 
it's hard to win back-to-back weeks too, isn't it, for the PGA oh, Tour pros? I mean, it happens, really but that's tough to do. Really hard. Uh, we we interviewed a kid not too long ago who won the State Open, Caleb Van Aragon, yep. and uh, who won the Minnesota State Open. And Caleb even said to us, he's a 21-year-old kid, he goes, I realize how difficult it is to go back-to-back in events. He goes, we've heard that about the mental guy. This is a 21-year-old kid telling us this stuff, and we're yeah. like, whoa. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, and he's he's a believer in the, what we talked about earlier this decade. He uses the system, and I think part of that is uh, it's a mental grind out there. And so that's what I would I would worry about that with Rory a little bit. But there's also a thing of players getting hot, and you know we saw that with Jordan Spieth a while ago when he was hot, he was hot. Yeah, you know, and he was winning back to back weeks. And so and obviously Tiger, what did he win seven weeks in a row when he teed it up back in yeah. 1999? I mean, so it's not undoable but yeah i don't put rory as one of my favorites this week yeah i guess i guess i don't either plus we saw last year when he had an opportunity to win the british open last year he just didn't make any putts uh you know he didn't make a single one and that allowed cam smith to kind of uh win the event otherwise i thought it was kind of rory's to win last year but then uh the putting woes uh, reared their head against him so well who do you like in the british then this week yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm up. On, I like two guys. I like Fleetwood and I like Fowler. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Ricky's playing some really good golf too. Uh, see one of those two win. Those are two of my top picks. And then I got I got Cam Smith up there as well as the guy that I'm keeping my eye on. And so, uh, and I'm also got my eye on Brooksy. Um, I think he's somewhat motivated a little bit more than more than normal. And you know what he does in majors. Yeah. Now, has the British Open ever been his friend? Not necessarily, but that the same was said of Mickelson a while ago, and he ended up pulling one off, you know. And 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 the British Open can be that way, yeah. Um, where you know you kind of get somebody who you didn't think their game fit, and all of a sudden, hey, they found a week where it worked. So I'm interested to see how the course is going to play. Back when Tiger won it at this course, uh, boy, it might have been two decades ago, he hit basically all four irons and five irons off the tee, yeah, because it was playing so fast. And so I'm interested. That's always my favorite thing about the British is. How is it playing? Is yeah. it green? Is it brown? Is the ball going to run? Are they going to have to bump it in from, you know, 180 yards and have it 17 bounce up onto the green? That's the fun part of the British Open to me. Yeah, I like to see guys putting from the fairway because I do that. So yeah, then it's right. uh, it allows me to, of course, they do it for different reasons. They do it <laughs> for strategic reasons. I do it out of fear of my wedges. Uh, but, but yeah, it's fun, and, and they call it, the you know, how fiery will the course get? That seems to be the word they use a lot uh, over there at the, the British Open. How fiery are the fairways? And, yeah. and you know, you, you play the ball on the ground a lot more there. In America, the game is played in the air. Uh, over in England and, uh, you know, where the British Open courses are, they play the ball on the ground a lot more. Yeah, that's funny. You just said that. I was thinking of you. I also notice on TV a lot of times you're like, are they are they in the fairway or are they on the green? Yeah. You can't really tell which is which. And so <laughs> maybe that's why they putt from so far off. And yes, Todd, that is where you learned it from. Yep. You 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 think that in America here you should play the British Open. <laughs> that's right. that's yes. how you do it. <laughs> hey, uh, good luck uh, today with your with your round again, and uh, we'll talk again next week. Thanks, Todd. Have a great day. Greg Snow joining us here on the Todd and Friends podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.